Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. Boom! What is going on? It is Super Bowl Monday. Yeah. Hanging out, my man Raja, Canel and Bell. Big show lined up for you. Did you know 17 million Americans call in sick Super Bowl Monday? Really? <laughs> yeah. It's going to be 17 million and one because it was hard for me to get up this <laughs> It was morning. almost <laughs> right there. Yeah, I couldn't say it was there. But no. it's, it's like this is one of the easiest shows we'll do all year. That's true. It's easy to talk about the game. We're going to delve into that. We're going to talk about Super Bowl favorites for next year. Can the Pats repeat? Because that's always something you're going to talk about. Luke Walton gets into it with some players in the Lakers uh, locker room after. Not a good look at all. Anthony Davis uh, Sr. is talking about what his son should do. Another not, not, Another, not so a lot of look. parenting stuff. We're going to delve into that later in the show. But first, the this was the worst Super Bowl I think I've ever seen in my lifetime. From what like from what perspective? Like you're okay. Quality of play. Now I'm skewed because I'm an offensive guy. Right. But there was not much offense. I thought the game was boring. I thought it lacked any real flow. Like you never like. As you didn't get into it. No. Yeah. Like, you could never really say, all right, until like the last, even then it never, like, once the Patriots scored, I was like, oh, it's done. When they went up 10 to 3, yep. I was like, oh, it's done. And there were only four minutes left. At no, it was like a game, nothing ever happened in the game. Yeah. It just couldn't go. And I know, like, there was some good defense. Yeah. But the offense was really bad. And I'm going between, like, was it, do you give credit to the defense or was it these offense just sputtering around really to find their way throughout the game? Even the Patriots, both teams, it was just there was no flow or rhythm in the game. And I thought it was a tough watch. I can give a nod to great defenses. Kudos. Mm-hmm. Still doesn't take away from the fact that I watch football for offense. Right? right. And and I was one of the – I didn't really know. Like I was kind of on the border like, hey, I can appreciate a good defense, but I like offense. Like I'm not sure which one. Last night confirmed it for me. That game was boring. Yep. It was boring. And now it came out and the first interception, you're like, okay, there are going to be some fireworks. That's a, a play was made. Yes. And the game just lacked plays. It was like Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski. And then, then that was it. Like that was, you know, and they weren't even, they were methodical kind of plays. Let me ask you a question. This, did you feel robbed at all that the Saints didn't make that game? Like, do you, do you feel robbed having known what was put out there? And I know if ifs was a fifth, I say it all the time, but do you feel robbed at all? Cause the Saints, you have to imagine where, like the, where the Rams fell short, Jared Goff looked confused, Bill yep. Belichick obviously outcoached, you know, on the defensive side, uh, the uh, young Sean McVay on the offensive side will get into experience, I'm sure, at some point. The Saints don't struggle like that, do they? No, you wouldn't think so. Not with Drew Brees. I think it probably would have been a more entertaining game. Like if you could have said, hey, I would have liked to see, I think the Chiefs, well then, so what about the Chiefs? What if it was Chiefs Saints? Would that have been a better game? Because they had this best yeah. offense in the league. Yeah. So I like, I've heard that a couple times. I don't like going there because then it feels like the Rams didn't deserve to be there because right. of the way the game played out. Like, but they didn't deserve to be there. Like they, they got robbed. Like, like no, the only reason I'm asking it, no, they didn't deserve to be there because like it, the Saints should have put that game away, right? We're talking about a, we're opening up an old can of worms yes. here, but like I, I hear you. Yeah, but I think yeah, Drew Brees would have been more experienced, but that doesn't mean he couldn't have a bad game, right? Like Brady didn't have a good game. No, like, what about Brady? He's supposed to be the greatest of all time, and he didn't play that great. Now he made some great throws when he needed to. Right. He had another game-winning drive that he orchestrates, so you don't want to take that away from him. But it was just a bad game. Let me summarize the Rams for you. And this is what makes a bad game. The Rams drives consisted of punt, 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 field goal, punt, INT, missed field goal. 
Like that is the depth. Punting is not fun to watch. Like they couldn't even sustain any drives. Like right. They weren't getting any third down conversions. Like those punts that I just read off, there weren't even longer drives to get to that point where you could get into it and like say, oh, man, they're getting close. They would go three and out. They would have all these struggles. Sean McVay, after the game, talked about how rough he struggled. You know, first of all, just, you know, congratulations to the Patriots. Uh, they did a great job. You know, Coach Belichick did an outstanding job. You know, there's really no other way to put it. You know, I'm, I'm pretty numb right now, but, you know, definitely I got out coached and I didn't do nearly good enough for a football team. Hey, great job, man. Hey, I respect you, man. Appreciate that, Kyle. Yeah, respect you, man. But, um, you know, the thing that's so tough about all of this is that, you know, the finality to it. You know, usually when you get a chance, if, if you go through some adversity, you can bounce back right away. This one's going to stick with you and just stings in your gut. And like I said, I'm still kind of numb right now. All right. So clear. I've, I actually really appreciate Sean McVay because I feel like he's been really honest and he's, and the best coaches don't make excuses. And he said, I was outcoached. Like sure. I got outcoached in the biggest game of my career, this prolific offense, which had done so many things. There was a coaching hiring phenomenon based on his offensive genius. Yeah. And he got held to three points in the biggest stage of the, of, you know, the game. Yeah. I, this is an interesting, first of all, uh, uh, owning up to it, like, it's part of the solution to it, right? Like, you can learn from the mistakes if you'll own up and you're not passing the buck. So I too do, I, I also appreciate, you know, the fact that he'd come out there and speak like that about it. The Rams are the second team in Super Bowl history to fail to score a touchdown. 27 of their 60 plays went for zero or negative yards. 45% of the plays that they ran, Danny, went for zero or negative yards. I'm not willing to say that his offensive, like, system, um, can't get it done and that those guys shouldn't have been hired. Uh, but clearly, you know, he came up against a guy who was better than him last night, you know? And, you know, look, that, that's nothing to hang your head about. Bill Belichick's done that to a lot of guys, right? But then the question becomes, like, if the mastermind behind the offense is going to have trouble against a really, really good defensive mind. Like what, and you've asked the question, what do all these young guys who might not have the same grasp of it, what can they do when push comes to shove in big games? Like it's going to be interesting to see. Absolutely. Well, I thought, I think this is obviously one where you have to tip your hat to Bill Belichick had a fantastic game plan. I thought they did outstanding. Like, you know, one of the questions that's going to be a toss around around there is like Jared Goff, like how bad he played and he looked awful and was the moment too big for him. If Brady would have gotten a hit as much as Goff did, he yeah. would have looked just as bad. Like as a pocket quarterback, who a guy who's not going to scramble around like Brady and Goff are, if you can get as much pressure on him, right, it would have been the same with Drew Brees if he's playing out there. If they would have gotten as much pressure on Drew Brees, you would have seen just as bad a game. There were opportunities. The play that really stuck out to me was the play where it was a play action and he took the shot down the field and it was open for a minute. Back of the end zone? Yes, back yeah. of the end zone. And McCourty came all the way from the backside to break it's it up. It's too late on that. Like, and it only was a split second because it was a great play by McCourty, but yeah. it was a split second too late. And I thought that was an instance where a breeze makes that throw or a Brady does. After all the pressure that they've got, you've got to cut that ball loose. I did think he was a little bit tentative. But I think the reason he was tentative is because he was getting knocked on his butt every single time he took uh, took a drop back. Yeah, I, look, I think that they go hand in hand. Um, the job that Bill Belichick did, and the, the and the um, you know the lack of experience for golf, right? You combine those two, and he was confused. Like, and uh, go ahead. That stat right there: three of twelve with an interception, four sacks when he was pressured. When they brought pressure, right? That speaks volumes to the game right there. Like you put those pressured on forty three percent of his dropbacks. That gets in your head. No, yeah. And when you start to drop back and it is clean, 
your feet start to get jittery. You start to get affected by it. And we talked so much about how do you beat the Patriots this pack? How do you beat the Patriots? It was like, well, you got to get to Tom Brady. You got to pressure him. Right. They didn't. And the, and they were able to get the job, uh, Derek Goff. That to me was the difference in the game. Yeah. For me, well, a big difference in the game too, because like just you would think that the Rams, the, all the talk was the Rams getting after Brady, right? Like with that defensive front, you know, and Dominican Sue and Fowler and, and, and Aaron Donald, like what kind of pressure they were going to be able to get. And he was relatively clean. I mean, they were back there, but he was, you know, he had time to do what he wanted to do. But again, I think Jared Goff, to your point, um, yeah, they had pressure on him, but you even said you, you, you figure Brady or, or Breeze makes that throw. They cut yeah. it loose. Like that's just the difference. Like some people think it's a glaring thing when someone's not experienced. It's not like a, it's not a glaring thing. He's still a pro, but he's just rattled enough to not be able to make that one play. And I would imagine his next Super Bowl, if he gets another shot at it, He'd look like a different player. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So I think the experience to be yeah. able to relax a little bit, and he'll have to he'll have, he'll be able to know what it feels like. Sure. That experience does come into play. I think sometimes it's overrated, but I thought it took him a real. I don't think he ever got comfortable in the game. Right, and you want the game to slow down at some point. Like you always talk about the quarterback position, it has to slow down. And you hear guys say, "Well, it takes two or three years in the NFL for the game to slow down." Within a game, I think in the Super Bowl, you have to get to that point where the game slows down and you breathe and you can see things that are out there. I thought Bill Belichick had a master, masterful game plan as far as you always say Bill Belichick is going to take away what you do great. Right. The, the Rams are a big play offense. They look for the chunk plays, the shots down the field, like the post play where yeah. you're late on the throw. They took all of those away. How many times did you see them try to take shots down the field? Gilmore was breaking them up. McCourty was breaking them up on the outside. Guys were blanketed in coverage. Bill Belichick was saying to the Rams, we're not going to give you the big play. You're going to have to drive the length of the field on us. And they simply couldn't do it. And they would get pressure on them, and they were forcing them to punt. And because they weren't giving up the big plays, it really put a lot of pressure on the Rams to make anything, and they couldn't do it. Yeah, there were no sustained drives there. How much of that, and and what's your take on the situation with uh Todd Gurley. So how much of that is on the fact that they just could not get any real running game ever going between Anderson know. and Gurley? Like it's still a confusing situation, right? It's like one of the most confounding things I've seen. Like I cuz he swears that he's not hurt. Everybody says Todd Gurley's not hurt. Um but yet he completely vanished from this team the last in the two biggest games of the year. The NFC Championship game didn't do anything. This game didn't do anything. He had one run that was called back. Uh, from a holding call that was a pretty positive play. You know right. why I knew that? Because I took over 65 yeah. yards rushing for Todd Gurley, yeah. thinking there's nothing wrong with him. He comes out after, says he's not hurt, and says, we just got whooped up front. Like, we are basically kind of throwing his offensive line under the bus. And then he explained a little bit, said, well, there's 11 guys on the team. We all have to play better. I thought it was surprising that he only had so few attempts, 10 touches on the ball, and CJ Anderson was out there getting a load and the offense looked a little bit better. Yeah. But I just, that's your MVP. A year ago, he was an MVP candidate. You have to rely on him, especially when you're getting pressure. Like one of the ways to take, like when golf is getting hit over and over, flip the script on them, get aggressive, run the football, work in the play action. And they just could not do it. I think Todd Gurley's absence from his normal self was one of the huge reasons as well. Like, we're given all the reasons the Rams lost. I do feel like the Rams lost the game more than the Patriots won it. Yeah, sure. They, an ugly game like that. But again, like, you're dealing you're dealing with all first-timers in that game. All of the guys that really mattered, I mean, I, like, on the offensive side of the ball were first-timers. 
He in, was in a game so like that. There was like the, they have these uh, t- uh, st- stats that track how fast you are, who the fastest runner is in the field. Gurley on one of those plays where he got loose was 19.9 miles per hour, is the f- fastest anyone ran throughout the game. Like he still has that explosiveness, but for whatever reason, McVay just got away from it. So he averages 18.3 yards per carry throughout the regular season. Ten, ten attempts, right? Per, attempts, attempts, attempts. Sorry, attempts. Uh, per game. Yep. And, and he, he got ten. Um, last night. Here's the deal: if he's injured. If he is injured and running 19.9 miles per hour doesn't speak to him being injured. Right. It says he's healthy. But if he is, you need to come out and say it. Yes. You need, like it's not, it's like this trying to hide the injury is ridiculous. At some point you need to come out and say it because it would explain a lot to people. Otherwise, Danny, I'm going on record as saying there's something more to this story than just football production. Which, there, which concerns you more. I'd rather know a guy's hurt. That's what I'm saying. So that he might have vanished on the biggest. Come team. out and put that to bed. Like yeah. he's hurt. We, he couldn't withstand the type of workload Even that we want to give not, him. You might be better off saying he's been banged up. He's still not 100%. Cause then if it, that's not the case, there is something else going on there, which is a bigger problem, uh, long term. I want to ask you another question. Yeah. This is purely, this is a football breakdown. Yep. Not my, not my forte. Is there anything to the fact, like, you know, he's a big play back, right? Yep. Is he a between-the-tackles back? Like, is he a guy when you're looking to sustain drives, right? Not hit home runs. But they, so here's the thing. They live on that outside, that wide zone. Like right. That's in the one, the one play where CJ Anderson got to the outside. Romo even pointed out, he's like, this is what they need to get to. That is more girly speed. Right. And I thought they couldn't get, like, and I'm sure that's one of those subtleties where Belichick is just funneling everything inside, getting as far outside they can and forcing it back inside. And they had no answer. For so it's just masterful defensive. Like, I think, I think, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think they were, Schemes. I mean, I got you. Preparing yeah. to have all that. So girly, obviously, did not win MVP, but it was a, sort of a surprise. It was started, the conversation started when the Patriots took the lead. It was like, who's going to get it? Because Brady did nothing. Right. Um, Sony Michelle had a pretty good game, but Julian Edelman was out there putting up these huge numbers. He ends up winning the award. I get it. When you have a uh, 141 yards in the Super Bowl receiving yards, even without a touchdown, you're still going to, you're probably going to win the award. The reason why I thought Edelman should win it. And the only other person that I'll put in the conversation was Stephon Gilmore. Yeah. Cause he, because the defense did pitch virtually a shutout. Like it was, it was, it, I mean, it was remarkable. And, and he had the five tackles, two pass break, I mean, three pass breakups, one pick, one forced fumble. I'd put him in the conversation, but the reason I give it to Edelman is because when there was no life at all, you were riding him. Yeah. Like he was single-handedly like keeping drives alive for you. You know what I mean? Like he would, there was nothing else happening on that football field except Julian Edelman catching a pass and getting a first down for th- for two and a half quarters of football. So for me, without that, you don't even have a shot in that game. You know why he won it? Because it's an offensive-minded game. Cause you're right. Stefan Gilmore probably had a better game. Like when you break down the film and say who had a more impact, impactful game. What have we said also? Everybody's talking about how bad it was, but it was a defensive game. Yeah. So the defense mattered the most. Defense played game. better than the offense did. Yes. Calais Campbell, you know, obviously one of the defensive end, one of your former Miami Hurricane boys, uh, put this out. The offense only scores 13 points and they give MVP to Edelman, but the D only gave up three points and Gilmore had forced a fumble, an INT, three pass breakups and five tackles. SMH, no respect to the masterpiece on defense. I agree. Like I, but I think it's like we do this. Like it's what, it's what the NFL sure. has become. It's an offensive geared league. Stefan, I'd like, in reality, and this is corny, but I think you do like say the defense won it. Right. Like, you know, and they don't do that anymore. Like, but you would say the Patriots defense should have been the MVP of the game because they really were. It was a collective effort because McCourty made the other pass break up. Right. They got pressure. They had sacks. There wasn't one guy. Now, if he would have had a pick six, he's the MVP. He would have won it. And because he would have scored points, like he turns into an offensive player, but because he didn't, they didn't go there. Real quick. Yeah. Julian Edelman. 
the conversation now, and they had it right on the set. I was set. just about to say this. Please stop. What? Please stop. I am a, so the conversation, but Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer. Stop. Crazy talk. Stop. It's prisoner of the moment. Oh my goodness. This guy is a Super Bowl MVP now. Second all time postseason of receiving yardage. Don't just be a prisoner of the moment. You have to look at the collective from the entire career. Otherwise, are we going to put Wes Welker in the Hall of Fame? Are we going to do, cause he was one of Brady's favorite I, targets. In stop. There. I don't even want to talk. No, but no, I, I'm, and no one at all brought up the fact that he missed four games for cheating. He had used he, performance enhancing drugs. Yeah. He was busted. He appealed. The NFL said no. And it's just, it shows you the difference between baseball and the NFL. Like no one cares in the NFL. So if we're going to do that, and this is my frustration because I was a clean player. Right. That's who I think should be frustrated. Like if, unless, if you're going to let guys basically do it without punishment, because four games when you're making that much money, every single player in the NFL, if you said you can have a four-game suspension and I'll trade you off a Super Bowl championship and a Super Bowl MVP, every single player would say, sign me up. What? Go ahead. I'll get. The, I'll take the four-game suspension. I'll take the slap on the wrist. Give me my Super Bowl and Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. I'll, every player would take it, Yeah. including myself. So if that's their mentality, why don't we just open it up and loosen up the restrictions? Because it's impossible for guys that are trying to do it the clean way sure. to go out there and compete with guys that are enhanced. I Yeah. I, what I would say was, well, first of all, I'm on record as saying I don't care that they use PEDs. Like, right. I'm one of those. Like, just go ahead. Everyone should be able to do it, but if you're going to have rules in place, then you have to put more teeth in the. Like they got the like laws have does. to be stricter. Baseball guys are not allowed to play in the postseason. There's That's be the more band that would hurt guys. Yeah. That's the one where guys might curb their behavior. But I don't think it's that big of a deal. So sure. NFL is just like, hey, we'll just let let the rules stand as they might. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, so we're going to get into, can the Patriots repeat? I do think Jared Goff, I think the Rams are going to have a tough decision. We'll get in that in just a minute. But I have been waiting ever since I saw the halftime. Yeah. I was like, because you you were like, who's Maroon 5? Like, do I know any other songs? Correct. Like, I knew you would know a couple of their songs. Your first impression after the halftime show, after the first song. I didn't watch I lick of it. <laughs> you didn't watch I it? I went to shower, dude. Oh, come on. It had on. been a long day in the you gym. There was a break in the action. Like, I was not interested in seeing Adam Levine. When I came back and his shirt was off, yeah. it, was, I, it confirmed for me that I didn't want to be there to see it. So, I, like, I was actually really refreshed and ready for the second half. I could not decide what was worse. worse the game itself yeah. or the halftime. Was it that bad? It was bad. It was one of the worst halftime shows of all time. And Good it, call by me. It was awkward how they worked in Travis Scott and yeah. Big Boy. Like, Kudos for them to doing it, but they were definitely better than Maroon 5. So, yeah. like, why didn't you go with the ATL rap scene and let it just be this one big collaboration with everybody? The little John, like, you could have had Jermaine Dupree. Sure. Chris, like, have, they were all there doing concerts throughout the week. Right. Why not do that? I thought it was such a big miss. Well, I'm so glad I didn't, I didn't watch it then. And similar to the way the game dragged on, like, the game just didn't feel like there was a flow. The halftime show felt the exact same way. Yeah. Maroon 5 isn't like, I think the Super Bowl halftime should be like hyped. Like right. you should get excited. Sure. It should make you want to get up and like keep the energy level up. It was like something you'd want to be with your date, like and sitting there like on a couch, like saying, Oh, this is great music. Yeah. Like and just like it was it was boring and it had no energy. I have no input because again I didn't see it. But I do <laughs> know, I swear, as soon as that as soon as the halftime, I was like, I'm out. 
Yeah. Okay. It was rough. It was a rough watch. I don't I think the NFL, I don't know what they do. Like I, I mean they're hit or miss there's hits and there are misses. I just thought it was a big what was your I, you brought Adam Levine, like I felt bad for him because he was trying everything, including going like bringing all on trying bring, to yeah. show off his tats, which everybody was talking about, like sure. how bad the tats looked on him specifically. Oh. Like I thought he looked all right. I mean, he was pretty shredded too. Yeah. I was actually surprised. I didn't know he worked out that much. Um <laughs> but but it was just it was like trying too hard. Um what about the commercials? Like I I did I I you know, I we made some picks. Started really strong. Right. I don't know what the Doritos. It was reddish. It was red. No, it was red. It was red for it was sure. Red. But it wasn't classic red, but it was definitely it red, was red. Right. Yeah. So red was the favorite, and red won that one. I thought they started off really strong. I like the Harrison Ford Amazon one where the dog is yeah. talking to Alexa. He's ordering, he's ordering it. all yeah. the like the treats, the <laughs> right. dog treats, right. and stuff like that. Um, I thought the the commercials kind of were a big miss too. Yeah, there, there wasn't weren't that many ones where I was just like blown away or, or laughing out loud. Yeah, there just weren't that many. But Bud Light was uh like that was I the like, Game of Thrones one or the, the, Game, the of Game, Thrones, Game of Thrones was yeah that was one of my favorites where the mountain crushed their jouster and then <laughs> yes. the dragon came in and like yes, yeah you're thinking it's gonna be dilly dilly yeah and then they come in and just torch the whole village I, that was good I also appreciated the uh, the high fructose corn syrup like when they were just throwing is that legal you could just throw your competitors <laughs> right. under the exactly. bus like hey if it's their ingredients I guess you can um what about Andy Warhol and the ketchup because this was a big thing before the show bro like I thought it was lame I thought the commercial was lame but the thing that it spun off is i i like the way andy warhol eats like eats his burger like it said eat like andy pours your ketchup on the side and then you dip the 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 cheeseburger into the ketchup i have never seen someone now i would forgive you if you put ketchup on your burger originally yeah it was not enough ketchup right and so then you decided to double dip get a little more ketchup okay you're saying you put no ketchup on the burger no 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 no, no. so here's what happens if you go to burger king mcdonald's or anywhere you get a burger oh it has ketchup on it right but But it's not enough because i like a lot of ketchup andy warhol must like a lot of ketchup too so then you pour it on the side and you get a dip so you get you can maximize ketchup exposure yeah by dipping. I remember, actually, remember when he said he was going to put out a poll about this? He's too much of a coward and didn't do it. Oh, he didn't, do it. He didn't right. do it. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. 100% put a poll out. I just had to figure out the right way to put up the poll, the right verbiage to you. You'd be so disappointed. I want to make sure it's clear, like, the, what exactly we're explaining. There's an initial obligation, no matter what comes on the burger, to put ketchup on the burger. Yeah. Only then can you dunk it in ketchup. Like, but you have to make an effort to, to yeah. add more uh, catch up to the patty. It spreads around and then some bites will have more than others. Like uh, this way you know you're getting maximum ketchup on each bite. Yeah. It was definitely there. Uh, the other commercials that I thought were the Little John, Cardi B, Steve Carell, the Pepsi commercials I thought was pretty good. I think Little John is just entertaining like because of his signature Correct. like voice, like yeah. the call and everything. Right. <laughs> like it's just great. It's, fun. Yeah. it's It's fantastic. The, so one of my beefs before the game, I don't know if you saw this. Did you see the new Jordan? Not the the uh, Twilight Zone series, but Jordan Peele was yeah. kind of scary, but it wasn't that scary. About, I think it was like within 15 minutes of the start of the Super Bowl, they showed the com- or the preview for Us, which is I think it's like a Get Up sequel, kind of. No, it was terrifying. Us. And it was like a minute long. Yeah, my daughters will Freaked not out. sleep. It was Get Out sequel. Like it was, it was like the same like kind of feel, and it's oh. weird, and it's just, like, it's like obscure but they had these looks on this family that's waiting outside it out was the jordan peele like yes so it's the same did you like that movie i did i did like okay i I thought it was fantastic i thought it was good i I didn't think it was that scary yeah no creepy it was creepy this movie 
scared do you know what out of me and yeah. more importantly when it's like 5 30 before the super bowl i had my kids watching they were terrified they were like <laughs> running out of the room like ah my six-year-old would not look at the tv like yeah. she was scared to watch and then she was in our bed all night right of course because she was terrified yeah didn't do anything right. um there was some good ones though i liked it overall i liked it you know what i really liked the intro with peyton manning yeah and then they went to john malkovich over in the roman coliseum like didn't the see fake it. open missed it uh, all that was really well that was listen good. my wife and i told her listen i love my wife yeah her, she, my two boys, my older two, and my wife talked the entire game. <laughs> right. Like they did. And it was our family time, right? So I felt guilty being like, yo, stop. Cause I had been in a gym all weekend. So I wanted to engage, you know, a little bit because it was, I rarely get my boys now cause they're playing games oh, and, right. and we rarely ever get all of us sitting around. And I, my seven year old wanted to watch. So we were all sitting there and, but they talked the whole time. So I miss like, I missed most of it. Best commercial of the night, hands down, was the NFL 100. Did you see that one? With all the stars in the banquet hall, Roger Goodell's like addressing. No! It's like an awards banquet. Marshawn Lynch like is looking at this big cake. Yeah. Like falls over and it knocks off this football from the top of the cake. And then all these greats, historic greats of the NFL are running around trying to get the football, like playing keep away. And it becomes like this pickup game. Uh, and it's Peyton Manning. Cool. It's Jerry Rice. It's Joe, it's Steve Young, Joe Montana. Like everybody who's anybody in the NFL is in it. It was the best commercial. That, was that, ever. listen, in the second half of that game, and this is, uh, reflecting back on one of our earlier conversations. Yeah. I was falling asleep. Yeah. No, I was. No, I, was. I, I was literally was like, I couldn't I was keep my you. eyes open. It was, it was tough to watch. All right. So next year. You have to do this every time. Like, what are these teams' odds of getting back to this position? Who can win it? So next year's Super Bowl odds. Yeah. I don't know how long it's going to take us to learn our lesson. Why aren't the Patriots the favorite in the house? <laughs> I mean, because I, and I've, I'm kicking myself for this one for not picking them going in this game. Yeah. Picking against them and throughout the playoffs. Because why don't, as long as I'm going back to my mantra, which I've said the last three years, and I'm not deviating from it next year. As long as Brady and Belichick are on the sideline for that team, they need to be the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, what did the Chiefs do that would make them the heavy fa- like like Fired what? their coordinator? Maybe. You know, I mean, but I do like, I get why the Chiefs are a favorite because they're going to have another year with Mahomes. Okay. You know, I mean, you're assuming he's going to get better, right? Which is kind of crazy to think. He had 50 touchdown passes in the regular season. He's the league MVP. But I think he can get better. And I think the biggest thing is while he's on his rookie contract, they have money to spend. Right. They're going to spend it on the defensive side of the ball, which was really their their. Deficit. Well, once they do that, then you can make them the six to one favorite. But as they are currently constituted, like I'm not picking them over one of the two damn teams that just played in the Super Bowl. Right. Exactly. No, I wouldn't do it either. One of my favorite things about watching the game, and this is one where it like hurts me because I didn't have this experience. Was when you see guys with their kids. I yeah. thought it was really emotional when Brady. I got emotional. I mean, I know some people are like, why do you care? But when he had his daughter and he was holding her out there. Yeah. And I think, like, people ask the question, like, is Brady going to come back? I think that's why he plays. He gets his kids get to see him in this role. And I don't, I, I, he said 0% before Tracy Wilson asked him right after the game, said, what are you thinking? He's like, I'm going to take the time, enjoy this with my family. But if you're competing at this high level, if you're going down as the greatest athlete in the history of sports, why wouldn't you continue adding that legacy as long as you're completing this level? Or do you go the role of John Elway and Peyton Manning and ride off in the sunset? Um, I think you play, dude. And I, this is just on my own career. Like I left at a point where my son, my oldest son was about to go into kindergarten. And in my mind, like he had seen me play. And so I was good. He's 11 now. He doesn't even remember it. Right. You know, so if I could have gotten four more years at the end of my career, just being a good guy sitting on somebody's bench. (laughs) Yeah. Like I would do to do it all over again. I would definitely do it. Even if it meant. You know, putting him in school and having to stay in a town for an extra month after the season was over till school was out. Like I would have put up with all of that 
to let my kids experience this with me to the, almost to the point now where the big three is coming around asking me to play. I talked to Lisa Leslie yesterday. You she did. wanted me to play and nice. Carlos Arroyo's called me and I don't like physically I've told everyone like I don't I can't I don't play basketball anymore. But my kids love the big three and I am entertaining playing though because I want them to be able to be a part and see me do it, right? Cuz they have no idea. So as it pertains to Tom and, and as it relates to that, like, dude, play. Like, one of my, like, I played in this celebrity golf tournament. Yeah. I love that my kids, and it's not even my sport. Sure. Like, for them to see a crowd that's, like, cheering for it, it's like a cool experience. Yeah, like, that's cool. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's cool, bro. Yeah. Like, really, and the photo ops. Like, right. those photos that they'll have, like, Drew Brees going back to his Super Bowl when he was holding his son and he had the earmuffs awesome. on. Like, he'll have that moment forever with his kid, and that's like. Yeah. What about Gronk? So, Gronk, I think is a little bit trickier. But I said this last week, and I think you still have to go the same. Even in the game, like he just looks like he gets hit hard. He's slower. Sure. He still made one of the biggest catches of the game. He did. Yeah. I'm going to Brady, and I'm saying, if you are playing, I am playing, and I'm going as long as he does. Did his press conference, his post game press conference, was kind of cryptic. Like it didn't yeah. say anything, but his attitude about it, like it I, seems more likely that he's going to retire. Yeah. Right. It, I mean, that's what he's I took been from more it. More cryptic. He hasn't said anything. His body has taken much more of a beating than Brady's. Right. He's had a lot of injuries throughout his career. I mean, he plays with his bionic arm basically sure. on his arm. He looks slower. But, again, like, can you take – well, here's the probably the bigger problem. The Patriots aren't going to overpay for him. So they're not going to pay – I think his number's like $12 million next yeah. year. They're probably going to come to him and say, we need to take a pay cut. What do you imagine and that looks it like? it becomes really – Six? I don't know. Brian Orlacher, at the end of his career, the Bears threw him two mil, and he was like, forget Ooh, it. Yeah, that's like, it depends yeah. on how bad it yeah, is. Yeah, correct. But if I'm Brady – Maybe use some of your leverage and say, hey, I want Kronk back. Let's make it happen. Right. And here's where I think Robert Kraft deserves some of the credit as well. He'll say to Bill Belichick, Brady wants it. Let's make it happen. What's the, what's his drop? Like, what's his number? Like, they're going to drop his salary from 12. What's his number? What, what would your number be? I mean, if I, I mean, I would play for two. The bro, no, like, no, no, but not, I would, if you, I would like, probably he's say, banked a lot of money. And he's good with his money. I'd have to look at the top tight ends and I would say you got to pay me in the top 10. Top 10. Like, but he might be the best. But I would say, all right, I'll take, I'm not going to go league minimum or two million. You got to pay me something that's fair. And you know what else I would do? Let's load it with incentives. If right. we get another Super Bowl title, throw me another mil. If I'm healthy. Yeah. If, if I, I play, if I all these play games. 80% yeah. of the snaps, I get another mil. Yeah, like, that's have a good incentive idea. incentive based in there. Um, so he's come out and said he's playing for no one but the Patriots. He right. threatened, he threatened, uh. That's where it becomes tricky. You'd have to get that guarantee though. Yeah. Like from him, for him to even entertain playing oh, again, he'd have to get a guarantee from the Patriots. Like, look, there's no trade sure. clause. And that's where you skip Bill Belichick. You go right past his office and you go to Robert Kraft's <laughs> office and you say, cause I don't trust Bill Belichick. Yeah, I'm yeah, wrong. Yeah. I'm not trusting anybody except Robert Kraft. You wait till Bill leaves the building. You you're looking around. That guarantee right. and then we'll do it. Yeah. He said he could barely walk after the game, but that's most players can hardly walk. But when you start having it add up and add up, then it starts to become a tougher decision. Right. So that'll be something that we'll be keeping an eye on, uh, for the next couple months. All right, welcome back. Ken Ellen Bell, Rajana yapping here during the break about yeah. Andre Francois. We're Let us live, bro. Let us live. Monday, we'll get to Florida State's issues later in the week. Too much big, too many big storylines to get to. Yeah. Including what is happening in LA. I think the end of the Luke Walton era is right around the corner. It's upon us. It's right around the corner. Like, I'm wondering if he makes it to the All-Star break. Uh, it's not that far away. Because Saturday night, they lose to the Warriors. LeBron does not play. Late scratch. Late scratch. That was scripted from there. It's no late scratch. That was an Why early scratch. Why does he play against the best in the league? LeBron is interesting because I was with him um, in Cleveland that year. Yeah. And there are certain places and certain games that he'll tell you he doesn't want to play in. I don't I, – I can't guess as to why because he didn't tell – he didn't give you the real reason. But, like, when we would go to Indiana, 
I would get a late call from David Griffin, like our, our GM, who would have talked to, to, to LeBron. And I'm on the road trip as the kind of the acting GM because yeah. I'm representing us. Hey, LeBron's not going to play in Indiana. It was one of those places he didn't like to play. Rarely played in Miami. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I get the he, Miami one because he didn't want to come back and play against his boy D. What do you mean you get it? It's stuff. your job. No, I, I, what are you no, talking about? But like that one I can put out and I can make sense. Like the Indiana one, they did not play it's well t- there. He didn't, I don't think he played well there. I don't think really? he liked to play there. I think they gave him the business. And look, I, well, I get this it. This is where it bothers me when you talk about LeBron as the GOAT and better than MJ. Like, why does he shy away? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think that has to be considered. I would bet that this one, it ain't a scared thing. I won't be frank about that, but I don't think he was. Willing to go out there and not play at a hundred percent. Do you know what I mean? Like he's coming off the groin. I don't think it's injured, but there might have been some lingering soreness. And I think he he didn't really want to go out there and not give Golden State the best look that the Lakers could give them. Right. Which, you know, for me again, man, like if you're only ever going to play at a hundred percent, like that that's a tough one. Like I didn't love I didn't love that for LeBron, and I'm a big LeBron fan. I've supported. You know, like most of his stuff, once I got to know him in his camp, I had a new respect for them and what they're able to do and the way he approaches the game. I didn't love that look now playing against Golden State. All right, so here's went down, here's what went down Saturday. After the game, several veteran players, including Michael Beasley and JaVale McGee, had an emotionally charged verbal exchanges, multiple, with Walton, snapping back towards the coach's playing time, distribution, and rotations. When Walton was making his points, it was undeniable for some in the locker room that he wasn't just referring to Beasley and McGee. Players cooled off, supposedly, before it escalated anything physical, but apparently it was pretty emotional after the game. Again, I think this is just the latest in what looks like the exit of Luke Walton. And these stories probably help LeBron a little bit because you can say it's not just me. Everybody's upset with him. But this is the beginning of the end. Yeah, I, I increasingly it's looking that way. And I really do have mixed emotions about this, right? Because on one hand, I would say Luke... Like, you don't want any other people in LeBron's camp on this one, right? Like, so if it's going to be LeBron going into management and saying, hey, we don't love him, and I'm not saying that he's doing this, but if that's the case, you want to be able to roll in 13 other guys that are like, hell no, like, we love Luke. You know what I mean? On the flip side of that, I've always said, and I told David Blatt this, like, to his face, if you're going to go down, go down doing it the way you want to do it. Yep. Be true to yourself. And if it doesn't work and you're true to yourself, then you can sleep at night. But if they fire you and you're sitting there 2 weeks later saying, "Damn, I wish I had done it this way, that way or any other way," then then you sold yourself short. So, like I I mess with you, Luke. If you think you if you think calling him out is the way it needs to be played and you're being true to yourself and you genuinely believe that, Call him out. Poop butts. All of them. But don't you think this is kind of the easy way out for Luke Walton because he's going no. after Beasley and McGee? Like, why doesn't he go after Rondo or anybody else on the team? Like Kuzma or Ball or any of the more critical components of this team as opposed to going to a couple journeymen? Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. Like, cause I don't know. Right. How exactly it went what down. he saw. I don't right. know exactly who he called out. Like, how normal is this in an NBA? Like, cause I'm thinking like, hey, it's a rough patch. Maybe this happens all the time after losses. Cause that's what they said. Area. It's emotional after every loss. It is. No, look, we, depends on the, the personality of your coach. Like, you're playing for me. I'm emotional after every loss. Right. I'm an emotional guy, though. Like, right. do you know what I mean? Some coaches are way more like, hey, man, we're and good. Luke Walton Let's doesn't back really to the... look like that. So this has to be a festering thing, right? Like, maybe he's seen evidence of some selfishness starting to creep into his team, and it's just escalated to a point where now it's at a head now. He's got to address it. Um but generally speaking, Danny, after any loss in, in an NBA locker room, because you're going to play like tomorrow night or you're going to play two nights from now, you don't have the week to really digest it like in football where you don't have to get into it tonight. Right. If you want to get into it, 
Like, get it out there. Explain what you saw. Like, you know, we can readdress it tomorrow after I go look at the film and, you know, maybe we got a pregame scout or something like that. But a lot of times you will get an addressing of situations or airing of grievances after a loss because, you know, it's turning around and you got to play again the next day. So they have, this is like the worst timing the Lakers could have because the trade deadline's Thursday. No, they're trying to make this trade possibly happen with Anthony Davis and they're sitting here with this unrest in the locker room. It's, I can imagine it's like worst timing for them. Speaking of Anthony Davis, so his dad yeah. came out. I don't, this drives me nuts. When you see parents' quotes that get published out there, and it happens more and more often, but it drives me nuts when it does happen. Uh, Anthony Davis Sr. told ESPN, I would never want my son to play for Boston after what they, that they've done to Isaiah Thomas. No loyalty. Guy gives his heart and soul, and they traded him. Davis Sr. then clarified that it's solely his opinion, and he can't speak for his son. Hey, how about this? They put a microphone in your face, Anthony Davis Sr.? Say, hey, I got no comment. I'm not the player. I, go talk to my son. Yes, talk to my son or his agent. Any <laughs> any options that you can go with. Correct. Is there any chance, this is the only way I would defend a parent, is if he thought he was off the record. Like, Because I could see reporters coming up and, hey, you know, hey, Mr. Davis, how are you doing? Again. You think about your kid like and just kind of like easing up to him. Look, don't, you don't need to be talking to the media. Like, that's not your job. Like, you you, you don't. Even as a, as a buddy, man, like what you have to be on alert, especially if you're like, like my dad doesn't have to be on alert. Nobody wants to talk to Roger Bell's dad about anything. You're not getting any breaking scoop about my career. Right. But if you're Anthony Davis's dad or like LeBron's mom or Kyrie's dad, you have to be like aware enough to know that anybody that's not in your inner circle, don't give them nuggets. Like e even in passing conversation, cause you never know where they're going to wind up. So. Real quick on his IT comments, like, like what's your allegiance, to Isaiah Thomas? Exactly. What do you give a damn? And the Celtics did the smart thing. Like, look what happened after. Correct. Like, I know they were like they did the smart thing. And guess what? Your son will be doing if he gets traded to Boston, re-signing and playing in Boston. <laughs> Absolutely, he will. There was another dad that was out there making the rounds, and this was weird. We talked a little bit about it. Friday's show was a circus because we had people coming yeah. live, but Kyler Murray was making the rounds and I told you what I told you right after I talked to him I was like man I'm a little concerned about him like yeah. his interview did not come off great that was just with me on Sirius XM then he goes on Dan Patrick the next day and that interview gets more play it starts getting published out there online socially it starts making the rounds and Kyler Murray looked unprepared he looked he dumb looked uncertain he did not listen he looked dumb. I, I'm going to he looked look I like Kyler Murray I'm a fan of what he did but the way he is like presenting in all of the things I've seen, he don't look smart. No. And that's a concern. So, like, you need to step up. It, it, you need to say what's on your heart. If you're trying to be coy about the situation and not tell anybody anything, it's making you look like you're not bright. You need to step up and answer questions. Like, put, don't bring your daddy with you to the studios. Right. Be a man about this because part of playing the quarterback position, part of playing point guard and running franchises, being a grown man. Yep. Like, you don't want nobody in there that's answering to his damn daddy. And Dan Patrick kept throwing it over the studio because, as you mentioned, his dad was sitting across the studio, standing across the studio. Kyler could not answer the questions, and his dad was over there, like, laughing just while his son is dying out there in this interview, costing him – I think it cost him millions of dollars. Danny, I really hope for the kid's sake that what he's been – like, his camp is telling him to do – is is like dance around these questions to the best of his ability. Don't give them anything. And in the process of trying to do that, it's painting him in this light. It's making him look like a, a lot dimmer, if you will, than he is. Do you know what I mean? I hope for the kid it's that. Because if that's the case, and behind closed doors you get a like a, a, a vibrant young man who can hold conversations and talk to you and, and stuff like that, 
then that's a different story. But if this is who he is, where right. you're asking him questions and he's like, uh, uh, not, was not prepared for the interview. And I put a lot of agent or a lot of, of the criticism, not on Kyle, cause I like Kyle Lamar. I think he's a good kid. Yeah. I thought he was left out to dry by his agent, by his dad, by anybody that's in his circle, like his marketing people, whoever's there as part of the Kyle Murray team, they should all be fired. Like, how could you let him go out there and do this interview? I had somebody else, cause I, I put that out on social media and some guy said, well, he's a grown man. He doesn't need to have well, advice. Here's the thing. Politicians who are 40 and 50 years old hire consultants just to teach them how to deal Correct. with the media. So they have a plan going into interviews. He had no plan and it showed. And I'm with you. And if he can't do them, if, if for one reason or another, like he's not capable of getting up there and handling himself in that environment, you don't, don't trot let him, him out, out there. Because right. he did more interviews like he did 50 interviews. What was the first thing? Right. You don't remember what the first thing I asked you was when you told me how bad it went. I said, why in the hell, why would he be here? Right. If he's going to be like that in interviews, who the hell brought him here? Right. There's and no obligation to be here. And if there was, if he did something with Gatorade, he was, I think he was with Gatorade or some, whoever, whatever company he was with, it's not worth the money that you're going to nope. lose because you just presented yourself in a really bad light. And teams are paying attention. The combine is one thing. Pro day is one thing. Interviews another. But I guarantee you there were scouts and GMs t- texting each other saying, man, I'm I'm afraid. Like I don't know if that guy can be the leader of our franchise. You have to present yourself a certain way. And I thought Kyler Murray failed big time. And I hope he's able to turn it around. Me or too. maybe he goes baseball. Maybe this was his thing. Like maybe he's working over the age. I want to be like, clear. Laughing. Like I'm a fan of the dude. I'm a fan of everything he did there. I'm just saying the way this has played out as as like the last three or four days worth of interviews and stuff like that. It's painting him in a not very you know uh, uh, good light for yeah. what he's trying to do for sure. Welcome back, Canel and Bell. Let's finish off some leftovers. I think we need to do a segment at the end of the show to see how many times I slip up my words because <laughs> it happens all the time, and I don't notice it, and Coca's always in my ear like, yeah. I can't believe you said this. I'm like, no, I didn't. And he's like, let's roll back to tape. <laughs> like, we should have some sort of corrections or flubs at the end of every yeah. show. Uh, award ceremony. Right. NFL honors uh, took place. Patrick Mahomes, MVP. Slam dunk. Boom. Absolutely like you got myself in there early. Like, he Dang. had 41 of 50. I'm like, who are the other ones? The other nine went to Drew Brees, which is dumb. Like I, I love Drew Brees, but you, it should have been unanimous. Like right. you talk about Steph Curry getting it, you know, other uh, awards that are there. It was that obvious that Patrick Mahomes should have been MVP. That would be my only beef with that one in his first year. He's the fourth youngest MVP in NFL history. The beef that I had. Yeah. Was with rookie of the year. I told you they were going to get Should have been my man Baker Mayfield because playing quarterback is harder than playing running back. I told you so. Simple. Dude. That's all I can say here. It I was mean, split a lot closer. Yeah. Saquon had 26 and a half first place votes. Baker Mayfield had 21 and a half first place votes. Saquon Barkley, I, either one, I would add a total, you know, I'm not that upset. Like I don't think anybody got robbed. Yes, who I is? Would have been there. Who Baker? Yeah, Baker. Man, Baker yeah. But, if you're a Browns fan, you're loving this. Yeah. You know why? Because now with that chip on his shoulder, the one that says, I didn't get a scholarship in college. Not I had going anywhere. I had to go somewhere else. It's going to go. Even though yeah. he's the number one overall pick, it's kind of what can you find to motivate yourself? Yeah. He's going to tell himself all season long, I got robbed. They don't respect me. New chip. New chip. Go, and you found your chip right there. Yeah. So if you're a Browns fan, you have to love that. I think the I think the Browns are actually – Pretty good odds for a Super Bowl contender next year type play. Word? They're twenty to one. Like, if you want to find a little bit of value, I'd probably like them a little better at thirty to one. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, Baker can play. Baker can play. I'm a pay. I like I. I say coming out. Like I, I like Baker. I like his swag. I like the way he plays. There were times when I thought 
you know, went over the top personally with some of the coaches, but I ride with Baker. Uh, but I don't have a beef with Saquon because I thought Saquon was that video. He looked like a video game at times at Penn State where it was just like, like that's different than everybody else. And you didn't know whether it was going to look like that in the NFL. And then he hit the NFL and you're like, huh? He's different than a lot of those other guys. Like he, it was real. It was. I'm like again, like I'm joking. Like I would have voted for Baker Mayfield, right. but I have no problem with Saquon Barkley uh, of winning the award. I think the Giants are in good shape now. They have to choose what are they going to do with Eli Manning? Are they going to keep him around? I think they do. If they thought Eli Manning was good enough going in this past season, what changed? Because he yeah. actually put up really good numbers at the end. I got to talk to Saquon Barkley last week. Last week we had a slew of people coming through sure. our show. A ton. Who impressed you the most? Oh, who impressed me the most? Uh, or who did you think was the most fun? Or who you were the most excited to meet? I know yeah. you got the selfie with Mahomes. Yeah. Was that a big hit at yeah, all? Yeah, Mahomes, that was huge. Like, everybody was, like, falling over that. I like Christian McCaffrey. I thought Christian McCaffrey was a really good interview. Uh, I always like, I like the way you ask questions because you're kind of like me. Yeah. Like, we're supposed to, in this business, we're supposed to ask him, like, hey, Cam Newton's shoulder. But, like, you and I are both, like, coming up as a kid. What, yeah, what did yeah. your parents do for you that puts you in this position? Right. And I'm thinking the same thing. In Relatable the stuff. Like, how can I apply this to my kids? It's yeah. Like trying to raise them and getting mad at them all the time. <laughs> Luke Wilson I thought was cool. Luke Wilson was Although, cool. Although, Coca said I was a little too desperate in my plea for a golf game. Yeah. I didn't hear back. No, nah, I thought it was he cool. I thought you were fine. Me up or anything. I didn't love his commercial. Yeah, it was okay. I didn't love his Colgate. I mean, I didn't, okay. think, it was, I didn't think it was like super funny or anything. No, yeah, it, it was, was just like, okay. Yeah. It was, it wasn't awful. It was just okay. You know who had a lot of energy and I thought was like real, I love the Bill Cower one because what I did with the, uh, Bill Cower thing was, yeah. I put that onto like my whole high school team, like, uh, message thing for some of these knuckleheads that think that they are like great right. to hear what a Hall of Fame type of coach thinks great players want. And a lot of them need to reassess, like, who they are. Do you know what I yes. mean? Like, I thought that was gold. And I thought that, like, um, I thought Emmett Smith was, like, I don't know if he had had some of the Heredora or, like, and, but Emmett was rolling. I enjoyed that one. Like, he's Emmett got a had really some good energy. He's yeah. a great dude. He's one of, like, and, like, I didn't play that much. I'm not, but he always remembers my name. Like, he always says, oh, so hey, he's Danny, just that like, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. just a really good dude. I liked, uh, Travis Kelsey. Yeah. He was really good. Yep. Like, everybody. I thought, like, for a lot, for a week where guys are selling things and you know, like they've been through 10 different interviews and they're kind of like, you're on number five. I thought everybody like had a pretty good attitude. Yeah, dude. I thought they were, we had some good people. You know why? Because of us. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, our energy is infectious. I, I think so too. I think we deserve a lot of credit for those articles, uh, for those interviews that went out there. The Raiders are looking for a place to play. They might be playing at the home of the San Francisco Giants, Oracle Park in San Francisco. I love it. I wish the Miami Hurricanes would look to play in Marlins Park in Miami. Yeah, I'm with you, dude. It'd be closer to campus. Yep. There. I think where they're playing now, the Coliseum, their leases run out. They're kind of waiting to go to Vegas. I think they'll actually be like a nice ballpark. I think the players will love it. Um, and for like San Francisco versus Oakland, I lived in, I lived out in the hills in Oakland, like when I got traded there. It, it's okay. It's not San Francisco. Like right, San Francisco right. is, is not like, San Francisco. San Francisco is really cool. Yes, there. indeed. Did you watch? I'm sure you were dialed into HQ, CBS Sports HQ, all day yesterday. Oh yeah, you know. So we had a Guinness Book of World Record achieved yeah. on the show. Oh. Brady Quinn, RQB here. Yeah, one of our QBs. Yeah, okay. Uh, threw to Jarvis Landry from the Browns the most one-handed catches in one minute. How many catches do you think he made? One-handed catches in one minute. Is he having to return the ball back to him? Or nope, just, just set it down. Just set it down. Um, one-handed catches in one minute. Uh, 50? 48. Wow. 48. And Brady was just firing him at him. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. How far away I'm were they? I'm kind of mad I didn't do it. Probably like 10 yards. But more importantly, yeah. do you know whose record he broke? Whose? 
Kirk Cousins to Antonio Brown. <laughs> That's right. Kirk Cousins had the I old record you. at 4 Enough. 